Welcome to the Sports Talk with Bono, Jay, and House. I'm Tony Bonifero, joined alongside always Jim Monaco and our special guest today, Olympic gold medal winning curler from Sault Ste. Marie, Brad Jacobs. How are you guys doing today? We're good. We're good. Amazing. Awesome. Jim, we'll start. let you uh, start with Brad and uh, go ahead. Yeah, first off, Brad, for thanks, thanks for coming on. It's uh, great uh, to have you on here. Uh, we usually kind of go through uh, the chronological careers of people when we have them on here. So just, uh, I know you come from a curling family, so uh, tell us how, how you started, how young you were when you started curling, and uh, how things progressed from there. Yeah, for sure. So um, I was 10 years old when uh, my mom brought me to the curling club and signed me up for curling, Monday night uh, elementary school league. Uh, and yeah, I was pretty fortunate as a kid. My parents put me in pretty much every sport, let me try everything. And, uh, you know, hockey, golf, uh, bowling. I was gymnastics for a little while. I mean, you name it. As a kid, I was, I was fortunate enough to play everything. And even in elementary school, played all the sports, track and field, basketball, uh, you name it. But when I, when I went to the curling club and I started to uh, learn the basics, which actually back then, uh, Tom Coulterman, who was our coach at the Olympics, and he still coaches today, actually. He coaches uh, the Algoma Youth Thunderbirds team. He's still involved with the sport uh, and coaching. But he was, the, uh, he was the guy who was teaching the elementary school league at the time. And I'll never forget that. He was big on drilling in the basics to us when we were kids. And I, I was 10 years old. And the curling rocks are like 40 pounds. I was always a little kid. I remember going to the curling club early on as a kid and trying to pick up the rocks and they felt super heavy. You know, it takes a long time to develop the fundamentals, especially when you're that young to be able to push a rock. Uh, and, and really what you want to do is you want to use your body weight. You don't want to use your arm to push a rock. You want to kick off out of the hack, right? And, and use your body. So it takes time to develop the strength and Tom was big. I don't think we threw a rock for the first five or six weeks when I was a kid. He wouldn't let us throw one down to the other end. It was just basics, fundamentals, fundamentals every week. And I remember just being young and salivating. I was chomping at the bit. I want to throw a rock down to the other end. And sure enough, uh, by the time he finally let us do that, uh, because he, we had done the fundamentals uh, so much the first several weeks, it was actually pretty easy. And I remember the first day that we were able to throw a rock. I mean, I was throwing them up and down, up and down. And the last one I threw at practice that day on that Monday night, it, it hit the button and I was hooked. So, uh, yeah. so what point in time do you start realizing, Hey, I, I'm really good at this sport. Well, you know, we got a good team we got good guys together. This something could really happen here. What, what, how old were you when that was when it started getting serious basically? Yeah. Well, you know, when we were kids, so it was about grade five, grade six, I would say by grade seven or grade eight, we started to get really good. Um, and we would, but fast forward into, into the high school years. And what I ended up doing was, um, you know, worked at the golf course in the summer, scrubbing clubs, driving the carts around and cleaning them right. And in the winter time, I worked at the curling club. So for myself, um, I was at the curling club from the time I was about, say 13 14 years old till right into university i was at the curling club almost every single day in the winter time and you know they say it takes like ten thousand hours of something to become an expert right call it whatever an artist a pilot a musician any athlete or business whatever 
And I kind of go back I, after I read that the first time and I was much older later in life, I kind of realized, man, I got my 10,000 hours in at this thing when, by the time I was like 18. Hmm. And, and uh, you know, that was pretty cool. So for me, um, a regular sort of week would be every single day from call it October till roughly April would be at the curling club, either practicing and throwing rocks, playing in men's league, playing in high school league, uh, sparing for other men's teams. We did, I did that often as well. Uh, I also worked at the curling club for Ian Fisher, the ice maker. He's still the ice maker there today, actually really good friend of mine and, and, uh, someone that I look up to. And, um, so I was, I learned about making ice. I learned how to run the scraper. I started off as the vacuum boy, vacuuming the back carpet, cleaning the windows and just doing odds and ends around the curling club, but eventually got to being able to pebble the ice and, and help maintain it and stuff. So I was obsessed. I was absolutely obsessed with the sport of curling since I've been a kid. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really no surprise that we've got to the point that we're at today as a team based on how much time and effort and how much we time we spent at the curling club. Then, then you start hitting the national stage as, as a junior team. Is that what happened? Is that your first time? Uh, yes. As juniors? Yeah. So we were, um, our team back in 2005 went to the uh, junior, uh, the junior national championships. It was the Karcher Junior Nationals back then. And I remember we were the first team out of Sault Ste. Marie, a junior men's team, to go to the nationals, I believe, in 50 or 55 years. So it, that was pretty special. And that was that event for me. You know, a lot of people, if you will say, you know, what's one of your, what's your most memorable sport or sorry, memorable moment in the sport in curling. And for me, I go back to that first provincial win as a junior. Uh, I was my first year skipping as well. Yeah, it was, it was my first year playing skip. I was 17. I was eight, 17 going on 18. I was 18 years old at the national championship. And uh, that really, for me, sort of solidified the belief that, you know what, maybe you can give this thing a serious go one day and, and you can compete um, at the national level. Okay, so then fast forward now to your first uh, your first trip to the Briar, I believe it was with your uncle, is that correct? Yeah. Explain yeah. that experience. That must have been pretty, pretty, uh, pretty special experience. Yeah, well, and if you look at it, you go back. So um, Ryan and EJ curled with their dad and I curled with uh, our uncle. And so... Ryan and EJ and myself were their brothers. I'm their first cousin and Eric and Al are brothers. So we're all related, right? But there's only four guys on a curling team, four men, four women on a curling team, but there was five of us. So they played with their dad for a few years early on in men's. And I played with uh, my uncle Al. Uh, so we went to the Briar in 2007. Then they went to the Briar in 2008. Um, and uh, yeah, those were just un unreal years being a kid and, and going to the Briar. I remember going to the Briar with my Uncle Al and, and Rob Thomas, Lee Toner, Dusty Jacobite back in 2007. It was in Hamilton at the, the Coliseum there. Big, huge arena, almost too big to hold it, way too big to hold the Briar. But uh, yeah, that, I was just like a kid in a candy store. Um, that was a, a great experience. And then the year after, um, Ryan and EJ and my uncle Eric, their dad went to the Briar and I went as fifth man. And then after that, we formed our team. 
I mean, it must be quite an experience. I mean, I, I am not a curler, but I'm a big sports fan. And the Briar, the Briar to me, is a fantastic event. I mean, I love to watch it. Uh, if I'm home, I'm watching it at night. And, uh, you know, uh, it's even more enjoyable watching you guys play. But uh, it's it's a pretty big event. It must be a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, do you get to, to relax there or is it all business? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, you know, it is our Stanley Cup. It's our Super Bowl for curling. And, um the first few years you go there, it's about, it's about gaining the experience. Realistically, you might say that you're going there to win, but you don't have a chance. And it's just about sort of getting in the ring and taking your punches, taking those punches and uh, gaining that experience and learning how to compete against the top teams in a, in a large event. Um, and then, uh, so yeah, we went to the Briar a number of times and then obviously we won that thing in, in 2013, which was which was really cool. But for the most part, when we go there, it's all business. It's all serious. The first three years we went there when we were young and we didn't have a chance, eh, we might've had a little bit more fun than we probably should have. Yeah. Uh, but you know, nowadays and, and for many years, you know, we go there with the intent to win and uh, you know, we want to make sure that we're resting up in between games and, and doing all the right things heading in, you know, eating properly, exercising, getting good rest, communicating well, all that stuff. One more, I'll ask you one more question and I'll pass it over to Bono. I think, uh, you know, I follow uh, all sports. So you go to the nor the Northern Ontario tournament and, and uh, especially at, at this time, uh, you know, in the last five, six years, that's got to be a high pressure time for you because uh, you're, you're a heavy, heavy favorite. Uh, you know, there's, and there's some young ranks that are coming on. I know a few years ago, you got You guys had a good challenge and uh, that's got to be a real pressure moment that that Northern Ontario tankard where uh, to get that spot because I mean, if, if you don't win, everyone's like, what the heck happened, right? So that, that's got to be pressure, right? Yeah, it is. And it's it's not a whole lot of fun to sometimes yeah. compete in that event, um, especially, you know, as we, like you said, yeah, we are the heavy favorites. But what a lot of people don't uh, realize is how good um, some of the teams are in Northern Ontario, even though you've never heard of them, they're quite good. And I know that uh, Ryan Fry always used to say that because he had played in various provinces. And when we played with him for many years, he, he you know, his first provincial, he was like, man, these teams are way better than I thought they would be. I know, right? <coughs> and yeah, we've had times where, you know, the, the young Horgan rink, they should have beat us the yeah. one year. We had no business. There's been two times. Joe Scharf back in 2000 and uh, it was 11 or 12. I think it was 11. They should have beat us, and the Horgan Rink in um, on the island there on Manitoulin Island. They should have beat us as well. We we escaped those games. I don't know how we won those games, right? But we just were able to hang in there. And sometimes, you know, the thing is when you get into those finals, and we've been in many of them. Uh, I think the experience pays off, especially against some of the rinks who haven't been in those positions very often, or the younger teams. You just know that. You have to hang in there because, as you guys know, being sports fans, crazy things happen in final games. And uh, sure enough, you know, we've seen that happen in Northern Ontario. Yeah. Hey, All right, Brad. So this is really cool for me. You know, I mean, when I was telling people that I had this chance to do this with you, you know, I think about this quite often when I watch you. I, I went to Algoma University with Brad, and we had a whole bunch of classes together. Yeah. And I specifically remember, Cups, we would be sitting in the back of Mr. Newbigging's class, and 
I, you were sitting there and you would explain the game of curling to me. You would, you would teach me everything that you knew about curling. And not only that, I remember asking you back then, you know, what would it be like? Like, you know, what's your, do you ever think you can make a career out of this? And from where curling was at that time, you said, absolutely not. I couldn't make a career out of this. And, but then all you talked about was how bad you wanted to make it to the briar and what it would mean for you to play it in a briar, right? So from a personal standpoint, just looking back at that, that was always really cool, you know, to see where you were and to see where you've come. Yeah, cool, man. Thanks. That's a little trip down memory lane there. Absolutely. So one thing, Brad, that I wanted to talk to you about is Jim touched upon a lot of things. You know, I've heard this kind of referred to as like the golden era of curling in a sense, right? Where curling before had a reputation, you know, with curlers and what curling used to be to where it is now. In my opinion, you guys and your team have a significant role in history in kind of evolving curling and evolving that game. How do you think that you guys have done that? And do you agree with that? That's a good question. I kind of got to be careful how I answer it, I think. Um, You know, I would rather, I would say our peers answer that question than kind of biasedly answer that question. Uh, but yeah, curling has evolved. Is it the golden age of curling right now? Absolutely. On the men's and women's side, I don't think the talent has ever been this good. The teams have never been this good. This many teams, uh, everyone's pretty young. It's really cool. Uh, various teams are raising the bar. You know, you just saw, uh, I don't know if you watched, but the last two Grand Slams there and the World Championships, that young Mowat team from Scotland was unbelievable unbelievable they've been obviously doing a lot of work behind the scenes during this COVID time and uh figured some things out and it you gotta you know you gotta tip your hat your cap to them and also when you play against them and apparently we've never beat that team which i found hard to believe but it's true haven't even haven't beat those guys which is crazy but uh you got to learn something from the, some of these young teams uh you know and we're i'm 35 now and i feel like one of the old guys we talk about that, you know, we're not the young team anymore. We were at one point, but not so much anymore, but uh, it's a really special time to be involved in the sport. Uh, I do believe that over the years, you know, you look back to that time that you were talking about when we did go to our first couple briars and whatnot. I remember those times vividly. You had two, there was two teams in men's curling that really dominated. It was Howard and Martin. They were, you know, always in finals against one another, all the big finals, the Grand Slams, the Canada Cups, the Briars, the Olympic Trials, um, various larger World Curling Tour events. You know, it was just a two-team show, pretty much. And and for the most part, Martin was just a little bit better uh, back then. And now it's, I mean, it's not even close. I think that, that those two teams, when I was, when we were younger, coming up, we really looked up to those teams and we tried to emulate and learn from them as much as possible. And, uh, and also from the fitness side of things, we sort of raised the bar there. I know, but I think teams have been, uh, (laughs) cigarettes and beer in their hands. Absolutely. (laughs) That's decades ago now, but you know, a lot of teams have sort of over the years raised the bar a little bit, raised the bar a little bit. And I think the, the cool, thing about our team was we were four young guys right from lead to skip that won on a very large 
stage. There, that won pretty much everything you could win. The Briar, the Olympics, the trials undefeated. You know, we, we it's all there. You can go look it up, right? Uh, we haven't won enough. It doesn't matter what you – it's not what you've won. It's what have you won lately. But uh, we got to win something here soon. But we, we raised the bar a little bit for sure, and I think a, it, it maybe set the tone for a lot of younger teams going, holy smokes, because we won in the era that – Howard and Martin and Stoughton were still very relevant and at the top of the sport at that time. And we, we were able to triumph against those teams and, and win some big things, which was really cool. And I think it gave a lot of younger teams belief, belief that if they could do it, then so could we. What are they doing differently? And then, you know, and the fitness sort of side of the game really started to take off. Yeah, it's funny. That's what I wanted to mention, too, was the fitness side of the game. You know, Okay, from a guy who's curled about six or seven times in my life, I don't think people appreciate the physicality of curling. The sweeping part, just the sweeping aspect, to be, you know, to have to sweep, you know, sometimes you guys are playing, what, two games a day, you know, to sweep all those ends consistently, the toll that that takes on a body. And not only that, but even coming out of the hack and, and, you know, on your knees and those types of things. Can you just kind of talk about how um, how physical training has really helped you guys and, and has it really uh, kind of set you guys up onto the next level almost? Yeah, you know, I think that um, the mental, physical, emotional aspect of, of what we do is highly underrated. Yeah. Um, some of the long weeks of curling, what we put ourselves through in those three areas I mean, the average person just has no idea. And I, we can't explain it to people what goes on. You just have to put yourself through it. Um, so, uh, yeah, the the physical side of things, I know like Ryan and EJ, you know, they're getting mid, mid to late 30s now. They've been sweeping forever. And, and it's common to have aching backs, aching shoulders, you know, pull a muscle in your neck, um, your joints, your, your knees, your hips, all that stuff starts to wear out. You know, I heard Brad Gushu say once, it's, it's kind of like a, a pitcher in that sense, it's that same repetitive motion yeah. over and over and over again, and it takes a toll. Um, so the being strong core-wise, having mobility and flexibility combined with strength and conditioning, we need to have all of that. And, uh, you know, I've been working over the last uh, almost couple of years now, always had someone help us out. And I've had some great people uh, help me out personally. And we've had great people help out our team on the uh, physical aspect of things. But right now, and you know what, being 35, we got to take this, this, uh, the physical fitness side more seriously than we have, than we ever have. So I work with Tyler Belanger. He owns 17 barbells here in Sault Ste. Marie. He's a really good buddy of mine. And, um, I've never felt so good since I started training with him. So I wanted to talk a little bit about your evolution as well. So, you know, we talked about how early on in your career, man, you guys were just bolts of lightning out there, the energy and, and everyone kind of fed off your energy and it was amazing to watch. And as your career has progressed, we've kind of seen you, you know, kind of rein that in a little bit. Can you kind of talk about, kind of almost like the two Jacobs and what led to that evolution and the difference in your game? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, 
that the sort of emotion that we brought to the sport, especially when we were winning, it's easy for that stuff to naturally come out uh, in big moments. Mm -hmm. uh, and we, you know, that still happens today. Uh, some of the most memorable moments are definitely from, you know, our heyday back in, you know, 2013, 14, 15, when we had a lot going on, we were winning a lot. Um, so yeah, we were, uh, when we were younger, we, we couldn't sustain, uh, being that up and down emotionally forever. We knew that that was probably going to come to, uh, come to an end somewhat, uh, at some point. Uh, because we were so volatile <laughs> and, yeah. and we laugh now, like we all laugh about it now, right? Oh, yeah. EJ and myself right. and even Fry, and now we're with Mark, who I think calmed us down a little bit more, but, um, you know, it, it went both ways. If things were not going our way, we were uh, on the emotional side of things, you know, we would show that frustration, wear emotions on our sleeves and, and it but you know it and it would work against us but it would also work in our favor sometimes i remember i don't know if you remember this guys but back when we were at the olympics before the final game the uh scottish coach commented how he didn't like how we play yeah he didn't like the emotion it's not good for the game all this and hey maybe he was right but hey some people loved it some people hated it whatever you know what i'm a big fan of tiger woods people didn't like he's you know he's an idol of mine people didn't like what he brought to the game early on i mean arguably the best golfer of all time and i i love the emotion that that guy brings to the sport or anyone so i uh, yeah it we've we've used it um it's been there in our favor and it's also been a detriment i think we're a little bit calmer now uh but you can bet your butt if we do something uh you know exciting and special we're probably still going to go nuts <laughs> you kind of you kind of touched on this a little bit, but you know I remember early on, and to your point, you just talked about it. I remember that you guys were criticized early on for the emotion, and, and it's funny you brought that up about the Olympics because I was going to talk about that specifically. When you were getting criticized for the emotion, I you know I do think that again you were kind of breaking molds in a way, right? And that's what the team was doing, which was amazing. And, and people who change things obviously get criticized. Did you guys feed off of that criticism or did a part of you often think, you know, maybe they're right. Maybe we should tone it down because uh, it's not right or it's not in the tradition. No, never thought about toning it down because of that. But you know what? You're right. Like uh, anything that's sort of revolutionary yep. is going to stir up critics. Yep. And, and we knew that. And uh, we were OK with that. I'm still OK with that today. I hope someone else goes and, and, and does it. Um, Hey, you know what? We we realized, and I think it was Mark who said it back in the 2013 Briar in Edmonton. He said, "You know, you've made it when people love you, and equally they they don't love you, they hate you, or they don't like you." Right? That's how you know you've you've made it is when you have those critics. So it's, it, I think we embraced it pretty well. I also think that back then, when people would look at our team and and write negative things about us on social media, comments, tweets, whatever. Um, we would read a little bit too much of that stuff and let it get in our heads a little bit. Uh, I don't, I don't read any of that crap anymore. I, I really, I just don't, I just be me. We, we just try to do what we can to be ourselves, go out and compete hard and whatever happens, happens naturally. Right? So 
Um, yeah, we've been criticized. It's all good. I, it, and we embrace it. You know, I remember last year we were at a grand slam and, and, uh, we were playing a game in Newfoundland and Newfoundland is, has Brad Gushu. Yeah. They have Brad Gushu. Like they, that is their team. That's their team in probably all sports. Right. So they worship them. And then you've got Brad Jacobs. So it's, it's pretty obvious. They're, yeah. they, they're not going to really like us naturally. Yeah. And I ended up, we, we ended up losing our first game there and I hit my broom against the, the foam and the head popped off and people started booing me and it was in like an afternoon game or something. And I was like, wow, I think that's the first time I've ever been booed before. <laughs> I, I found out afterwards the reason why they booed me. Cause I was like, that's a little harsh. I mean, I banged my broom, the yeah. head popped off and they didn't like that. But I found out later that I guess the volunteer was putting up the score on the scoreboard and it kind of brushed their leg. Oh. And that's why they booed me. And I found that out like on the weekend. Yeah. And I went up to the person and, and, and I signed a broom and I gave it to them. And and they said, Brad, it didn't it didn't hit me. You don't have to do this. I don't yeah. even know what you're talking about. And I said, yeah. well, I just I was we were booed. I was booed. And that's the and I don't I just want to make sure you're OK. But yeah. uh from that point on, we actually went and won that event. Yeah. And we embraced the villain role, call it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. One thing I always wondered, man, and knowing you growing up, you know, <laughs> again, is that, you know, that intensity. I can't imagine. There's There has been so many times. Okay, first of all, I watch every curling event now because of you guys. Like, I just love curling. Men's, women's, I do. I love it. Sweet. I don't understand how at times you guys can bite your tongue and not say anything when that mic's on. You know, how do you, how long did that take you to kind of understand, or how do you even hold in that frustration knowing that I can't let anything go, right? Knowing that there's a mic on you. <laughs> Could you imagine if they mic'd up some of the hockey players, well, some of the I golfers? <laughs> I mean, it would be hilarious. I, I yeah. personally, hey, I like that stuff. But yeah. Uh, yeah, you do have to be careful. There's fines, you know, they'll, they'll give you fines. Most and, of them, yeah. and uh, you know, obviously the big reason why you don't want to do it though is because it offends people. And if there's any kids watching or whatever, we do the best that we can, but you're right. When you're in the moment and you're out there competing and it's intense and there's a lot on the line and uh, it becomes, it can become very emotional and, and uh, sometimes you can lose sight of your emotions and, and let them get the better of you. We, we do the best that we can. All the teams do, you know, we've been caught a few times saying, a, you know, the wrong thing on TV. Uh, but for the most part, we're, we try to do our best to uh, respect everyone and, and play respectfully and, and um, I guess uh, be good role models. It's tough though. Oh yeah, I, I give you guys so much credit. I don't. I could never do that. All right, I got. Uh, I got a few little rapid fire questions for you. So I'm going to okay. fire off a couple. You can uh, discuss these in as much or as little detail as you'd like. And, and a lot of these are going to be tough for you because I know that you have so many. So if you have to think about it for a second, that's fine too. Fire in, away. Your, in your opinion, what's the best shot you ever made? Um, I would say. Uh, the the one that pops in my head right away is uh, 2013 trials against Kevin Martin in the round robin when we made a little board weight sort of double run back for the win and we went nuts yeah. by far by far the best shot and I and I was come on in the crowd I was going like that yeah, yeah. that was awesome I do remember that 
What's your most memorable shot? Um, most memorable shot. Uh, it's probably that shot. Um, I would, but I don't want that to be the answer. Uh, let's go with like what the most sec second most memorable shot maybe. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to say. Uh, I, I, I got so many of them, right? We got so many of them. You know, what's a good one. It's not mine. Back in 2016, 2016, Ottawa Briar Fry made a ridiculous shot with two guards corner guards and he hit them both rolled for a center guard and the the one that he hit rolled buried to the button we didn't win that game and mark nichols made a run back after but that shot was disgusting yeah yeah what's the worst shot you ever made in a tournament uh oof. um well we i remember gonna win our first world curling tour event we were gonna win we didn't win obviously we suffered from when when we were on the world curling tour when we were younger we lost something like eight or nine quarter final quarterfinals in a row and when you play all week and you make it to the playoff round uh losing the quarterfinals <laughs> is awful it's awful because it's like you get the least amount of money possible you're hoping you broke even that weekend and it just it sucks because anyway so we were gonna we broke through the quarterfinal we broke through the semifinal and we were in control in this game in Gatineau Quebec against uh, Jean-Michel Menard and I completely blew the game for us uh we gave up a steal of two with hammer so we had the hammer we gave up a steal of two in the eighth and a steal to lose the game and I don't think I my mouth did not open I did not speak a word for I'd say at least two hours I was sick to my stomach Oh, yeah, that's not good. Um, is there a shot that haunts you still to this day? Uh, haunts me. Um, hmm. Yeah, there's probably a few. Uh, <laughs> I'd say... Uh, I'd say, you know, in that same Briar 2016, we, we, uh, we were undefeated in that Briar. And uh, Fry Feather ticked a corner guard in the rings. I think we kind of blew the line call, and we just he didn't throw it great. And uh, Feather ticked it in the rings, and Cooey's team beat us on a measure and went on to win the Briar and the Worlds. Oh, yeah. That sucks. Where's your favorite place to curl not in Sault Ste. Marie? Ooh, uh, I would – anywhere in Western Canada. I'd say uh, anywhere in Western Canada is great. Uh, Kingston was unreal last year. Um, there's a lot of really great places. I'd say Western Canada though, because the, in, in my experience, they are the most knowledgeable curling fans. Wow. Yeah. You visited a lot of countries throughout your curling career. What's the coolest country you had the play, uh, you had, you guys had the chance to visit? Uh, well, Russia was cool, but I'd say it would be probably Scotland. Because we got to go play some golf, it was really cool. We golfed uh, Carnoustie and St Andrews. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. In January, it was freezing. Oh. <laughs> what was your "I made it" moment in curling? My what? What was your "I made it" moment? I so what's made the, it. Moment. Yeah, what's the what's when's the time? When's the moment in your career when you realized, hey, like I've made it, like I've I've done it, I've made the big time. 
Yeah, I, I would definitely say when we won the Olympics. You know what? And I have the medal right here. And I never well, I, really I was gonna I was gonna ask for that. So <laughs> looks like my wife hit it on me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know where it is. Oh jeez. I'm gonna have to give her heck. Yeah. <laughs> I might have put it in the drawer here. But I'd say hold on. I know that people are watching that. Oh that's okay. Yeah. I don't know what she did with it. <laughs> Just an Olympic gold medal, just found a knife. Oh, there. oh, nice, yeah. <laughs> but no, um, when we won the Olympics, man, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. Did you find? Did you find there was more pressure when you played in the Sioux? Um. Yes. Yeah, a little bit, not much. Uh, it's that was really special when we won. I think it was 2017. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that was really, uh, really awesome when we won that event in the Sioux. Throughout your career, you don't have to answer this question, but throughout your career, who's the most difficult team you ever played against? Um, most difficult team? Probably a toss-up between Howard's team back in the day when we were young, coming up. They beat us a ton, taught us a lot. And I would say uh, also over the last number of years, Gushu's team. Yeah, great teams. Yeah. And finally, for this rapid-fire question, what's the best pizza in Sault Ste. Marie? It's a question we ask everybody. <laughs> wow. That's the toughest question. Yeah. Oh, I don't know what to say. <laughs> there's there's too many to choose from. Once again, I mean, I think that's a toss-up. We, we, usually, we usually go with the safe bet, Aurora's. Yeah, uh, but man, there's so many. Like, we also we also get sick of it because we have it so much. And um, you know, my good buddy uh, Clint, he owns uh, Clint Berdenyuk owns Domino's in town. I think it's the best Domino's pizza. We, when we're away playing, we always go with the safe bet Domino's. And I'd say Clint is by far the best Domino's we've ever had here in Sault Ste. Marie because he's up against a lot of tough competition. Yeah. Sorry, two more quick ones. The a lot of people see the glory of being a curler. What's the hardest part about being a professional curler on today's circuit? Uh, yeah, being away from your family. Yeah, by far, because uh, it's not it's not glamorous, man. It's uh, it's really not. It's uh, you know you're you're away for weeks at a time. You know we just got back, but you you travel often. Uh, you miss the family. They miss you. And, uh, you know, it's certainly something that for me, as I get older now, and as I see the kids getting older, um, you know, I want to be there as much for them as I can. You know, I used to, when I was younger, just to wrap it up, I'll try to be quick, but when I was younger, I used to see these guys retire when they were like in their thirties and early forties and think to myself, I can't believe they're retiring. They're still so good. And in like their prime, like they're crazy. And now I get it. Now I get it. You know, I think we were very fortunate guys to um, have the success that we had, you know, in our, you know, I was 27 when we won the Briar, 28 when we won an Olympic gold medal. How many guys and gals out there wish that they could do that that early? There's so, there's a lineup of them. We're very grateful and fortunate to have won the things that most people don't win. Uh, and we won them early. So hopefully we don't have to play uh, forever because you know want to be with family yeah it's funny because again you know I, I watch curling like i said 
quite a bit nowadays. And it's amazing the commitment. If I just take Rachel Holman, for example, I mean, Rachel Holman was, was curling at the Scotties and then she was had her baby and then she was curling what? Three weeks, six weeks later or something? Three weeks later and she was curling again. It's just, it seems to me that, that the game has grown at such a level that, it, and I think you guys are a huge, huge part of that. And I do think that, you know, you guys did kind of help push curling along and get young people and get a whole new group of fans involved. And I think you guys deserve the credit for that because I do think that you had a big role in that. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. And that's what that's, we tried to do that. That was intentional. We wanted to appeal to a younger audience. We wanted it to be exciting and uh, do things differently. Sort of shake the tree a little bit uh, and uh, you know, do what we could to help the next generation of young curlers, you know, look at this sport a little bit differently. And they have, and back to Rachel, crazy athlete to be able to do that three weeks after and, and go and win too, yeah. let alone just play yeah. is uh, phenomenal. So amazing. So before we let you go, we always give people the opportunity. If there's anyone that you wanted to do a shout out to, or if there's anyone that you wanted to thank, uh, you know, and especially, you know, people who helped you growing up, and uh, and if there's anything if there's anything that you wanted to say about your family and kind of the support that they've shown you throughout this as well, yeah, thanks, man. So definitely, um, you know, first person that comes to mind, my wife, unbelievable. She's been beside me this whole time, and you know, when we went to the Briar back in 2013, she couldn't come to the Briar because she already had committed to one of her girlfriends that she'd stand up in a destination wedding in. I think it was Jamaica or something. So we won the Briar in Edmonton and she was in on the beach in Jamaica and she left the house while I was uh, away and I came home and she had this big banner hung on our, our bed said, congratulations. And I looked at it and I said, how did that get? So obviously she hung it there, but she didn't know what that we were going to win. Yeah. So, I mean, she went out on a limb to put that up. She had the faith and the belief that we were going to win, and we did. It was crazy. That could have been a disaster if we didn't. Congratulations on what, fourth? Yeah, yeah right? but, That's amazing, yeah. But you know what? She's uh, my number one, you yeah. know, just everything. And, and without her, none of this would be possible. Uh, so definitely her and and uh, all of our sponsors that we have, you know, Northern Credit Union, Coyote Tractor, Nobis, Kingsville, uh, Hardline, uh, just to name a few. And um, Arthur Perlini, our sports psychologist, uh, Rick Lang, our, our coach. Obviously want to thank my guys, Ryan, EJ and Mark, um, my buddy, you know, good buddy Fry. We've had so many good times together and. Uh, we wish him all the best. His dad's not doing well right now. So um, we're thinking of their family. And, of course, uh, our un my uncles, Al and Eric. And, hey, man, I could go on forever. But I think another big thanks to, to you guys for doing this and also uh, to the city of Sault Ste. Marie and, and all of Northern Ontario who's uh, been along for this ride. And hopefully there's lots more to come. And they've always been in our corner. Uh, and we uh, we appreciate that more than words can can explain. Yeah, you know, Brad, there's so much more that I had written down that we didn't even get a chance to touch upon. So, you know, we can carry on this conversation a little bit further, hopefully down the road. But yep. one thing I wanted to say uh, just before we let you go was going back to when I was in class with you. 
And that was when, I won't say names, but that's when that whole fiasco was coming up with, are they going to pull Northern Ontario from the briar? You remember that whole controversy with the Team Canada and all that type of stuff. And I remember you saying, my goal or our goal as a team is to put Northern Ontario back on the map and to keep Northern Ontario alive. So on behalf of Northern Ontario, thank you for doing that because you did a hell of a job. So you guys deserve a lot of credit. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. yeah. Lots more to come. And I want to thank my parents, my parents too, my mom and dad, Bob and Cindy. I forgot about that. But anyways, awesome. thanks right. guys. Thanks, thank Cubs. Okay, but take care. Yeah. Eh? Take, take care, boys. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. you too.